It means holy worship. Join me, your host, Robert Randall, as we delve into biblical instrumentation and music history to discover the sounds behind the words of our Savior, Yeshua Messiah. Yeshua Messiah, it is I, your host, Robert Randall, coming to you today from the beautiful Rocky Mountains of Colorado Springs. I'd like to welcome you to the new show, Holy Worship, a show dedicated to the understanding of biblical instrumentation into its modern evolution, as well as the philosophic, educational, and cultural perspectives of Bible music from Hebrew and Greek cultures. Before we delve into anything too deep, I'd like to give a bit of an introduction as to the background of how I got involved in biblical music studies. The year was 2008. I was a junior in college getting ready to experience my first course in musicology, or what you would know as music history. As I entered the large lecture hall, I sat down and heaved out the overly priced textbook from my bag, opening up to chapter one, The Greek Civilization. The professor began her usual spiel on the major philosophers, poets, and playwrights, who had dedicated their works to the pantheon of Greek gods, to tragedies like Odysseus or Orestes, or major heroes like Hercules and the Odyssey. From there, we moved on to the origins of major scales and minor scales, place names very familiar within much of Greek culture, and some are even mentioned in the Book of Acts in the Bible. Then, we took a listen to what Greek music probably sounds like, from modern adaptations, of course. As this lecture continued, my mind began to wander back to when I first had a zeal for history back in high school. The events of liberal arts history as unfolded to me, knowing that they would be repeated in my textbook before me, unfolded. First, the Greek civilization. Then, after Alexander the Great's death, the Roman Empire with a dash of the Mongols and the Persians somewhere in the mix, followed by the religious hierarchy of Rome, the Catholic Church, through which many subsequent musical discoveries were promoted via via Gregorian chant, nooms, as well as organum, among other musical understandings, as well as the sacredness of perfect force and perfect fifth intervals. Then, Martin Luther's Reformation took hold. No longer did mankind have to rely on a priest, an institution, or dead rituals and rites to get into heaven, or the bones of saints, for that matter. God's gift of free grace, detailed in his holy written word, for the common man to understand in the common German tongue, swept all of Europe, as well as the Gutenberg printing press. With this newfound knowledge of of humanity's relationship with their creator by grace through faith of the cross and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we began a new era, which led to the rebirth or the enlightenment where art, math, and the sciences took center stage, still technically controlled by the church, and yet, in many ways, it was the first esoteric rebirth in which the taboo scientists and those who were considered taboo went underground 
only to revive themselves in esoteric, mystical, hidden secretive brotherhoods that propagated what became known as the French Revolution and later on the American government and the American Revolution for what became known as New Rome or America. In the midst of this reminiscence, a single question popped up in my mind. What about ancient music before the Greeks? What about Bible music? What about music that was God's music? Being a new Christian to the faith, I wanted to know what this was. It was my second day of class, and having gone over the syllabus, I knew that I had a term paper that was worth 50% of my grade. Well, I had just found my subject. Upon researching in my library, I was disappointed to only find two works, one completely in German, and Google Translate was not an option at the time. The other was a 19th century work by Dr. John Steiner, a historian and musician for the 19th century. Using this one work, I was able to extrapolate a very nice, cohesive paper that flowed naturally from the evolution of musical instruments from their linguistic and cultural roots to their modern evolution, as well as the philosophic background and worldview of the Hebrews and their perceptions of music, especially amongst temple processionals amongst the Aaronic priesthood and the Levites. With my paper turned in, I was skeptical about the grade I would get, but was surprised to find that I received an A+. Quite a feat for such a topic at a liberal arts university. From there, my studies turned towards the esoteric history of music for my final semester in music history. After graduating for a time, my binge on history waned for a while as I pursued my career and tried out different things to pursue my goals and life dreams. And for a time, I was happy and content. Later on, I was encouraged by friends and family to take up writing again. And after debating for some time on what subject I wanted to talk about, I knew I wanted to do something in theology. And music history reared its head again, as I had done a search and found another independent work in 2013 had been written, along with a chronological gospels by the same author. However, this particular work, like Steiner's, tended to only focus on the Hebraic understanding of Bible music. No work, as far as I could find, focused on the Greek worldview. In other words, I, want, I wanted to fill in a gap that liberal arts textbooks would not fill in, but at the same time meet a need for biblical Christians, those who appreciate the Greek text as well as the Hebrew text, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And certainly, we do know today that there are other New Testament Hebrew manuscripts coming to light. And I do not in any way digress those things. I think they're wonderful discoveries. But we need to understand that the majority of the music history that we encounter comes from Greek pottery and its depictions of iconography and its linguistic usage through Greek and Italian. And we need to appreciate those things for what they are. Very few cultural Hebraic references, apart from the Shofar and the Kinor, have any pure Hebraic reference. Most of what we will look at in terms of biblical instrumentation will examine most cultural influences surrounding the Hebrews in their captivities. 
However, that is not to say that there is not a Hebrew culture surrounding music. Indeed, after the dispersion, we will come to understand that Hebrews, Jews all over the world in different cultures and parts of the world, have different views on music and different ways of expressing synagogue music as well as contemporary songs. So it is with this background now that I invite you to come on this adventure with me, to be informed, to understand the word from a more cultural and historic perspective. And with that being said, in the process, I pray, brethren, that you will be edified spiritually, that you will have an appreciation for the amazing word of God that we hold in our hands, that men and women died for, bled because they love the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah. And so we need to appreciate our roots, be they Protestant or Hebraic, and understand that what we have today, much of musicology, in a biblical sense, is highly debated and speculative. But at the same time, it is good to be informed on these things, so that you as a Christian can be more knowledgeable about music itself and appreciate the instruments that we have today that have come from our forefathers. And finally, I'd like to point out, before our official introduction begins, that healthy agnosticism is a good thing. We just don't know things. I know that in our Western mindset, especially in this Hebraic culture, that we have to think that we need to know everything to please God and to essentially meet up with the standards of Torah. That is understandable. It's ingrained in our Western mindset that we have to have the answers to be successful, to understand uh, where we fit in with society, that the more that we know, at least from a Greek perspective, the better that we're off. But understand that a subject like this cannot provide all the answers. Neither can the greatest theologians and interpreters of hermeneutics throughout time provide the, the answers to the deepest questions that we have or even Torah teachers, be they rabbinic or otherwise. So, going into this, go in with an open mind and understand that what we have, we should appreciate going forward. Beginning into our adventure, let's examine what kind of biblical musicians were there. Upon examining the scriptures, we will see that musicians were professionals. Reading from the Hebrew Names version of Elohim's Word on Blue Letter Bible, we see in 1 Chronicles 15, verse 22, that there was a priest called Kanya, chief of the Levites, who was over song. He instructed about the song because he was skillful. So here, there is a chief conductor over the temple musical processions. Furthermore, in the same book, in chapter 25, verse 7, we read the number of them with their brothers, who were instructed in singing to Yehovah, even all who were skillful, was 288. So, we see professional conductors as well as a professional chorus of singers. Those not formally trained on an instrument or in notation as a language, there are obviously amateur musicians in the Bible as well. In fact, Tehillim, Psalms 100, brings to mind the whole body of Messiah. We ourselves are musicians. It says, A psalm of thanksgiving. Shout for joy to Yehovah, all you lands. Serve Yehovah with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. 
Know that Yehovah, he is El. It is he who has made us, and we are his. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For Yehovah is good, his loving kindness endures forever, his faithfulness to all generations. This is further solidified by the anointing of King Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 1, verses 39 and 40. Zadok the Kohen took the horn of oil out of the tent and anointed Shlomo. They blew the shofar, and all the people said, Long live King Shlomo! And all the people came up after him, and the people piped with pipes, and rejoiced with great joy, so that the Eretz shook with the sound of them. A great passage of scripture that shows how early temple worship was performed, as ordained by the commandments of King David, is Nehemiah chapter 12. After verse 7 outlines the chief of the Kohanim and the Levites, we see following in verse 8, Moreover, the Levites, Yeshua, Joshua, Binuai, Kadamiel, Sherevayah, Yehuda, and Mataniah, who was over the thanksgiving, he and his brothers. So we have an establishment that there was an order or a staff of priests to lead worship. Upon scrolling down further to verse 24, we begin to read, The chiefs of the Levites, Hashaviah, Sherevyah, and Yeshua, the son of Kadamiah, and their brothers were over against them to praise and give thanks according to the mitzvah of David, the man of God. Watch next to watch. These were the days, verse 26, of Jehoiakim, the son of Yeshua, the son of Yotzadak, in the days of Nehemiah, the governor, and Ezra, the Kohen, the Sofer. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with giving thanks and with singing, with cymbals, psalteries, and with harps. The sons of the singers gathered themselves together, both out of the plain round about Jerusalem and from the villages of the Notfati. Also, from Bet-Gugel and out of the fields of Giva and Asmavet, for the singers had built them villages round about Jerusalem. The Kohanim and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people, and the gates and the wall. Then I brought up the princes of Yehuda on the wall, and appointed two great companies who gave thanks, and went in procession, whereof one went on the right hand on the wall toward the dung gate. And after them went Hoshea and the half-princes of Yehuda. We will examine more on Talmudic understanding of temple worship later on when we get into Hebraic music in its culture as well as Hebrew vocalization. Again, without Hebrew culture and influence, we would not have modern Greek cosmology. Both cultures have had interactions over millennia that were oppressive in nature. What was once ancient Phoenicia became the Hellenistic Empire that we revere in liberal ivory towers. Looking at the verses mentioned above, such education and structure could be seen as a basis for what Greece used as part of their educational foundation. 
apart from its heavy influence, from Egypt through such philosophers and lawgivers, like Plato, Aristotle, and Solon. We should understand that we have no actual preserved musical instruments from archaeology to reference. Musician Peter Pringle says, We have no actual examples of ancient instruments. The only examples that we have come from illustrations from Greek pottery and statues. In that light, one must acknowledge that, we, that what we know about our ancient music to be speculative, but that does not take away from the hard work of scholars to bring it to life in the 21st century. I would invite you next week now to tune in and enjoy as we delve into the understanding of the various stringed instruments, the kinor, named after the kineret, <laughs> as well as the nebel and its brother, the nebel azor, which has slight differences. We will also be looking at the Sebeka and the Santorine, as well as the Kitros. Each of these instruments has its own evolution into what some speculate to be the modern harp, and everything to the modern bagpipe, to the modern guitar, depending on the references that you look at. Again, a lot of this is speculative, and the opinions of researchers in the past will come to light, and a lot of this has to do with linguistic changes of names over time, and this is where much of the debate lies in, because, as we know, many instruments have taken different forms. Obviously, the piano had its own evolution, from the harpsichord to things like the early pianoforte to the modern piano as we know it today. Certainly even the violin and the modern guitar have had their own evolution as well, as well as different cultural perceptions from the Spanish flamingo guitar to a Gibson, as we know it here in America. So, again, being open-minded and understanding that we need to have a healthy sense of agnosticism here, that there is a lot of mystery surrounding these things, but with what we can delve from the scriptures, we can appreciate and appreciate God's structure of worship and what he's given us to use instrumentationally uh, as well as our own voices to praise him. On that note of praise and worship, I'd like to leave you with this final Tehillim, a psalm from a book of Davidic Psalms. Psalm chapter 1, The Righteous Prosper. Meditate and worship on this. Until next time. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the Torah of Jehovah. And in his Torah does he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, who brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff, which the wind drives away. This is why the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For Yehovah knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. When you delight in God's word and continually meditate on the Holy Scriptures, you are divinely blessed so that you 
are as productive as trees that are planted by the streams of water, because Yehovah knows the way of his righteous ones. He assures you that everything that you do will prosper. Be godly and prosper. Remember in your daily worship and meditation to make a joyful noise unto Yeshua and to praise him with all your heart and love him. And now, if you'd like to contact me and leave some comments or ask some questions about the show, here's some contact information. If you would like to get to know me better, you can write to me at robertrandallmusic at gmail.com. That's robertrandall, R-A-N-D-A-L-L, music at gmail.com. You can also find me on various social networks. I am not on Facebook due to the increased invasion of privacy, uh, including the future patents to get into your banking as well as deeper personal family ties. So you will not find me on there. However, you will find me on the, uh, the sister video network that Twitter uses called Periscope, P-A-R-A-S-C-O-P-E, Robert Randall Music. Screen name is R-A-N-D-A-L-L-R-S. Rand dollars. You can find me on there. I do some behind the scenes in the studio as well as show, uh, show you some late night uh, compositional jam sessions when I can't sleep and the father is downloading music into my mind that needs to be worked out. Also, you can find me on the Music Connection Hub Soundtrap, which is a excellent digital composition tool to educate yourself to become a musician, as well as a means of networking with other musicians around the globe. It's a great opportunity for individual musicians or even educators, teachers, people who teach in private settings or in public schools. Please take advantage of what Soundtrap has to offer. If you would like to network with me, find me on Soundtrap. We, we can collaborate on some music together. Also, if you'd like to know more about my bio and any of the work that I've done musically, you can go to my website, official website, robertrandallmusic.com. That's robertrandallmusic.com. There you can find my bio. You can re read my blog on upcoming albums and things that are coming up there. I've got two albums in the works. One is an easy listening, uh, soft channel background orchestration album based on the Galatians 5 Fruits of the Spirit. The other is a jazz album that will be focused on Hebraic themes and concepts that we discuss in most of our Messianic congregations. Be on the lookout for those. Also, check out the film work that I have done for the ministry called With One Accord, run by Messianic Bible teacher, apologetics uh, counselor, and, and, uh, and doctor of naturopathic health, Dr. William Schneblin. Uh, he's been a wonderful brother in Messiah, and I have greatly cherish his mentorship and his ministry for many years. Um, please check out his resources. His, his book, Blood on the Doorposts, which is now available in Spanish, changed my life and my Christian walk. So please uh, definitely check out what his ministry has to offer. Also, before I forget, I also have a YouTube channel. It is not Robert Randall Music. It is Robert Randall on YouTube. Um, if you look up that Perfect Moment, Robert Randall, on YouTube. You can find some of my music on there, um, as well as most of the major online retailers, Amazon, iTunes, CD Baby, uh, you name it, it sits out there, Spotify as well. So please uh, take a listen, enjoy, and again, if you have any questions, 
email me, and if you'd like a transcript of the episode, please send uh, send a request for that at robertrandallmusic at gmail.com. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless your walk in his glorious kingdom. Thank you.